Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Episode 37, Control. Welcome to the Dublin Story Slam podcast. In this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you three personal true stories recorded live on stage at the Sugar Club here in Dublin at our monthly Story Slams. So the people you're going to hear from, they're ordinary, everyday folk, some of whom have maybe never been on stage since they were in school, but who one night decided to get up and take part in our open mic competitive storytelling nights. Today's stories are all inspired by the theme control. So you're going to hear a story about what it means to lose control of yourself and your body. It's happening. It's happening. I thought it was going to be like, I thought the appendix had gone. Jesus Christ, Ashling, you know, we've had enough. What happens when you decide to give up control to somebody else? And I was flabbergasted. 35 years. I'd been hiding that part of myself. Jason looked me up and down and saw it straight away. And finally, you're going to hear a story about what happens when you try to control everything in your life. And for me, that inner control is like, fuck, it's not going to plan. My name is Julian Clancy and I'm one of the founders of the Dublin Story Slam. And this is the Dublin Story Slam podcast. Our first story comes from a story slam that we held way back in October and the theme of the evening was fight or flight. Now, as it happened, it was also National Coming Out Day and so we were delighted when Daniel Berman got up and told this story. And it's a story about how, you know, when it comes to control and and having control over your life, sometimes the, the scariest thing that you can do is to hand that control over to somebody else. This is Daniel Berman. Today is National Coming Out Day. Uh, um, And there's plenty of fight or flight in coming out stories. Um, And I have a couple. uh, A couple of coming out stories and a couple of coming outs. But I'm going to tell you about the most recent one. It starts um, when I'm 11 years old, sneaking out of my parents' house. I'm not sneaking out because I'm doing something really naughty. Not yet, anyway. (laughs) I'm sneaking out because underneath my jacket I have my mother's grey mohair sweater. I'm actually going to choir practice in the Adelaide Road Presbyterian Church just down the road, and I sit down beside my friend Mervyn, and as the church warms up, because it was the 1980s and there was an energy crisis then too, uh, (laughs) I took off my jacket, and Mervyn turned and 
looked at me. Are you wearing your mother's sweater? <laughs> Talk about fight or flight. In fact, I wanted to curl up in a ball in, and die, but instead I ran home. I took off the sweater. I shoved it in the back of my mother's closet along with my femininity. And it was 30 years before I found myself at the checkout in TK Maxx with a red dress in my hand, sweating, my heart beating double speed, just waiting for someone to come up behind me and say, are you going to wear a dress? But I took it home, I put it on, and it, 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 looked, it looked all wrong, and I, I took it off and I shoved it into the back of my closet. And it was another five years before my girlfriend, Red, saw me looking at her dresses and offered a green slinky velvet number that I pulled on and she saw the disappointment in my face and said, you know, you need something that fits your body. Well, it took two days for the internet to deliver a black and gold dress that really fitted me. And I felt like me, masculine and feminine together. But all that shame, those voices were still at the back of my head and, and I stayed in the closet. But after two years of being locked down, I was ready for a change. I went online, I found a workshop in Berlin, Conk, Conscious Kink, a weekend for evolved individuals, and the theme was fluid identity. So I was going, and I arrived at the Spitzmühle just outside Berlin, and the first person who met me was Jason. Uh, now, Jason did not look like the evolved individuals that I was promised to be spending my weekend with. <laughs> if you picture um, a beefy, red-headed Ryan Reynolds in a, like a graying sweatshirt, um, sweatpants, Crocs, and then imagine my disappointment when the next morning we were paired up for the first workshop. 50 evolved, fabulous individuals, and I get Jason. <laughs> Jason's job was to pick an identity for me and then have me walk down the catwalk dressed in that identity and performing that identity that night. And Jason looked me up and down and said, I know what you need, and came back with the most feminine, lacy bodysuit, a teeny tiny pair of panties and stockings. And I was flabbergasted. 35 years I'd been hiding that part of myself. Jason looked me up and down and saw it straight away. And then he really blew my mind because he taught me how to walk with pride. He had me walk on my toes. He had me feel my thighs brush each other as I walked. He had me close my eyes and follow him like he was the most desirable thing in the world. And when he brought me to the top of the catwalk that night, I stood, fight or flight, right? I remembered his instructions and I took the first step. I opened my eyes, 50 people looking at me, smiling, and then applauding, and then cheering and whooping. And I got to the end of the catwalk and I turned and hugged Jason 
and I felt free and I felt seen. And when I walked back through Berlin airport and got to the customs guard wearing that black and gold dress and the customs guard looked me up three times, <laughs> I felt no shame. And when I got back to Dublin, I came out as genderqueer to my friends and my family and my work and my two teenage sons. You know, coming out can be absolutely terrifying. Sometimes you just need somebody like Jason to show you how to take the first step. Thank you. Daniel Berman, everybody. Oh. That was Daniel Berman there with a really beautifully told story about showing the world who you really are and also how your friends can help you do just that. You can see pictures from the night, including beautiful shots of Daniel, as taken by our photographer, Ian Mulholland. And Daniel is wearing this ridiculously cool black and white knitted jumper dress with these gorgeous kind of patches on it and just looks amazing. So there's pictures of Daniel as well as pictures of all of our storytellers. If you head over to our Instagram page at Dublin Story Slam and while you're there, you can find out about you know, ticket giveaways, upcoming shows, Grand Slams, podcasts, you name it. It's all over on the Instagram page. Okay, so from a fashionable catwalk in Berlin to a windy campsite uh, in the west of Ireland, Ashling Casey Roach got up and told this story at one of her very first shows after lockdown last year. And um, it's a story about physically losing control of yourself. But what I loved about it was just the explosion in laughter. And, you know, there's nearly 200 people in the room. And after doing so many shows on Zoom, it was just like a, a, a sonic assault. You know, you, you, it was a physiological response nearly that your body had to being hearing so many people all laughing uh, at the same joke. So this is a brilliant story. Um, it's very much a physical story. So there's references to sex and body parts and natural functions and everything like that. But there's nothing here too rude. So this is Ashling Casey Roach. Ashling, take away a few years ago, a group of friends and I went off to La Hinch for a little camping trip, and we are not the classiest of bunches. Um, my friend met her now husband that weekend, and how they rebonded was she said, I'll give you a blowy if you jump off that cliff. <laughs> so they're married, they have two kids. All worked out. He got the blowy and more, it's fine. So, <laughs> Not a classy bunch. So, um, uh, Le Hinge, it was one of the best weekends. It was so, so funny. But um, the first night we went to the town, village, I don't know, um, and there was a pub that looked like your granny's house on the outside, but it was just crack central on the inside. Um, so, I don't 
pee an awful lot. And uh, so on nights out, I just forget to go to the toilet and we were having such a good time and then suddenly the national anthem was playing and everyone was gone and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. So I uh, went outside, none of my friends were there, so I was just like, I don't know where I am. Um, and I was so drunk that I got sick and wet myself at the same time. <laughs> so then it was freezing cold. Uh, I walked, I say walked, I got back to the campsite and my then boyfriend, now ex, shocking I know, um, opened the tent and was livid and he was like, were you cheating on me? And I just said, uh, no, no. <laughs> definitely was and he had to try and get those jeggings, leggings, whatever I was wearing off me and it was just not good. So the next day we um, went for, we went to the, the cliffs or whatever's in the hinge and that's when my, my friend offered the blowjob and whatever, they're happy. And uh, we went for something to eat and went back to the tents and then I had a cheeky ride in the tent and then this pain that I've never felt before just arrived in my stomach and I thought, oh, Jesus Christ, I rode myself to death. Um, it's happening. It's happening. I thought it was going to be like, I thought the appendix had gone, Jesus Christ, Ashling, you know, we've had enough. Bam, 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 we've had enough. So then uh, I thought it was going to be like the scene from Alien with the... I just thought something was going to come out. I don't know, it was bad. So my friends were on standby with 999 going, oh my God, she's, she's really dying. And I was oh, I'm going to die. And my boyfriend at the time was absolutely traumatised. He was kind of half delighted going, Jesus, I'm good. But at the same time going, well, please don't die because, you know, it's not great. So anyway, my friend who was a paramedic arrived literally bang on time and burst into the tent and I was like, oh my God, my God, I'm dying, I'm dying. And she did the whole exam and I was like, gently now because it's, you know, touch and go here. And she said, you know what, Ashling, I think you have a bit of trapped wind. <laughs> now I do have that issue. I mean, look, there's no filter here, it's gone. So I do have that issue in general. So I thought, Jesus Christ, you're right, but this is like the worst. I mean, I'm like, worse than a colicky baby here, you know, it's awful. So now I can't say the word, everyone, likes me but I call them Renee's but they're the things the little chewable minty things you take for the wind there that's the one uh, so she said to me you need to take a few Renee things and so I took like half the packet because I was on death's door here you know not even being dramatic so then I was lying in the tent still thinking like this better work or like fucked <laughs> literally so uh, the friends were out having, you know, a fucking brandy for their nerves, thinking I was dead. So they were all around the little, whatever we had, fire or barbecue. And so I said, right, I'm feeling it. It's, something's going to happen. It's just going to be a little, you know, I, I don't know if you can hear that. Just a little, just a little, you know, because I'm a lady. So <laughs> friends were all gathered and I just took my minute and went outside, went behind the tent. You thought the storm was bad at the weekend. <laughs> How there was a caravan left in that park after me, let alone tents. I was like, oh my God, is this coming out of me? Am I, am I dying? Like, it was like, I'm surprised I didn't go up in the air. Like, it was like NASA having the gas, you know? So I was thinking, yeah, that's fine. I'm fine now. That I'm much better. I'm going to survive. I'm a survivor. It's fine. So I thought, no one witnessed that. 
brilliant. I've regained some of my dignity. So we went into the tent to put a bit of rouge on, you know, after my near-death experience. My boyfriend was in the tent the whole time. Now, we stayed together for another few months. Shockingly, we're not together anymore, and I am still single. So there you go. That was Ashling Casey Roach there with her story of a big adventure or misadventure, call it whatever, in the great outdoors. Um, that also fits nicely in with this segue because the theme of our next Story Slam on January 31st in Dublin's Sugar Club is the great outdoors. Now, we are so loud, but if you do have a personal true story that you'd like to share, maybe it's a story about a camping adventure, maybe it's about getting caught out in a storm, or, I don't know, something that happened to you when you went for a walk in the park. It can be about anything as long as it's set in the outdoors. Email us story at thedublinstorieslam.com and we'll walk you through how it all works. We're going to take a break now, but we'll be back in a sec. We've got one last story for you, all inspired by the theme control. And we've also got an anonymous tale from our audience. Something new that we haven't tried before. We're going to try it right here, right now. So don't go anywhere. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. Now, if you've ever been to a Story Slam, you'll know that it's not just the storytellers who join us on stage that get to share their tales, okay? We also ask the audience at the beginning of each show to write down their own mini epics in response to a prompt, okay? So these are like little slips of paper that we send out into the audience and collect them just before we begin the show. And then we read out a selection of these throughout the two-hour show. Okay, and we thought it might be fun to bring you one of these. So we're going to start experimenting with this, you know, maybe give you a sense more of what the live show is all about. So this is a audience slip as read by our wonderful host, Sharon Mannion. So Sharon is going to start off by reading the prompt 
that we asked the audience at that particular story slam. So tell us about a time you found our lost hope in a surprising place. Around 2008, I was late to Sunday Mass. Oh, sure, listen. Uh, I've been so late, it's been 25 years. But anyway, uh, so I had to stand at the back of the church, not in my usual pew. Making the most of this new vantage point, oh, I love that. That is, like, that's, there's going to Mass for the religious and spiritual, that's great, but also to have a good look at everybody. Yeah, love it. Uh, Making the most of this new vantage point, with interest fading from the homily, (laughs) I scanned the church and did some people watching. Looking around, there was nothing unusual. Same faces, same clothes. I'm starting to feel like I'm in a Liam Neeson movie or something. Uh... I looked to see who was sitting in my usual spot. There was a woman with a short brunette bob. Wait, hang on. Is that who I think it is? It was. It was Laura Pierce, the first ever and at the time only winner of the top prize of £250,000 on UK's Deal or No Deal. (laughs) I am so impressed by this person's commitment to celebrity. (laughs) Yes, like that is... Wow, I couldn't believe it. What is she doing at mass? In suburban Dublin. Oh, this this is brilliant. Oh, my God, there's a whole page. Oh, this is brilliant. During the sign of peace, oh, I love the detail is here, it's incredible, and all the shuffling and handshaking, I I managed to get a better look. It was definitely her. I have to go up to her and congratulate her (laughs) on her big win. When the mass ended and the priest told us to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. I love how that is all written out there, you know. Everyone spilled out of the church one way. And I was like a salmon swimming upstream, (laughs) trying to get to Laura. (laughs) I think Laura at this stage was calling the police. But anyway, um, I went up to her and said, congratulations. She didn't say anything. Sorry, are you Laura Pierce? the first ever winner of the <laughs> £250,000 on UK's deal or no deal. She said, no. <laughs> Definitely not. At this point, I was wondering why Laura had an Irish accent. Oh, right. Where do I know you from then? You look so familiar. To which she said, I work in the deli across the road. <laughs> oh, and there's the final line. Oh my God, whoever wrote this, you are mwah, chef's kiss. I lost hope in my eyesight at that mass. I got my first set of prescription glasses the following week. Ah. Oh. Okay, thank you to that person who provided those three and a half minutes 
of drama and tension and surprise and shock and uh, lots of laughter in between. And also to the brilliant Sharon Mannion, who is one of our hosts. Colin O'Regan is, of course, our other uh, host. And the way they read those slips, I mean, they breathe new life. They put humour in there where, you know, with a simple pause or an expression, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. Okay, on to our last audio story. So this is a story that comes from Rose McCauley. And the theme of the evening, you know, we've been looking at stories that deal with control. And so this final story, it's it's a very moving, it's a pretty epic story because it's almost like an entire life story. So it's a little bit long, about 10 minutes or so. But it's about how, you know, you think you can control everything that happens in our lives or at least the big milestones. And you know what? Sometimes that's just not possible. So this is Rose McCauley. Wow. I'm very, very nervous. Um, okay. Thank you. Okay, so my story, um, I'll do the whole context thing. So it starts in, in 1995, and I was eight years old. And it was like, a, somewhere like we're having now, it was absolutely beautiful, and I was down in Rosslare. And I was with my aunt and my cousin. And we were down in Rosslare and rented a house in this gorgeous country road. Really idyllic, I remember, like, just cycling along the road, butterflies, you know, bodyboarding the sea. And then I started getting a little bit homesick, and I remember my dad's car pulling up and thinking, wow, okay, deadly, maybe I'm going home, um, and being quite excited. So I got into the front seat of the car, and my dad turned around and said, when you go home, I will no longer be living at home. So I was eight, and it was absolutely just tore my whole world apart. Um, and when you're that young, you don't really have the skills of an adult or somebody who's a bit older. So for me, I, that was the beginning of me developing these behaviours. If you were mentioned earlier, you know, attention-seeking, different things. I developed a behaviour of trying to control because what do we do when we can't control anything? We try to control. So I spent teenage years limiting food, limiting my standards of boyfriends. Um, I thankfully rectified that after uh, kissing one too many frogs when I got into my 20s. Um, the one area that I'd never limited, and I think it's owed to a member of my family, was my grand-aunt, who was this nun from a tiny town called Monomalane in Wexford who went to India when she was 17 back in like the 1930s, 40s. And she set up a school there for young girls. And she always said to me, the one thing nobody can take away from you is your education. So that always stayed with me as an echo. Um, And what I did then, I'm jumping the story to when I hit 30, And I decided to go back and do a master's. And it was a master's in international security and conflict. So obviously parents breaking up. I got a little bit obsessed with human behavior and conflict and ended up in that that realm. And I was one year into doing my master's and I was delighted with myself. And it was Christmas of 2018. I was single. I had all the frogs kissed and done. And I decided, okay, I need to, you know, shift up my standards here. You know, one one aspect that I've been limiting myself is the shitty man that I've been dating. 
So as a child of parents who are separated, it can leave you a little bit cynical. So I knew for sure I definitely wasn't going to settle, you know. So if I never met somebody, I was like, fuck that. I know what it's like as a kid, you know, growing up with that. It's just not going to happen. I also never believed in love at first sight until that night when I met George. And there was just this connect. I resisted it for weeks. He we would probably say different, but he chased me for weeks. We were six weeks dating, and we weren't even official when I met his mom. So that shows the pace we were going. And after two months dating, I had to have surgery to remove a lump, which turned out to be cancer. I gave George an out, and I said, listen, you know, this might be too much too soon. Here's your out. And George came back with a bunch of flowers and a card saying, fear is not an option, you've got this. So fast forward, yeah, it's amazing. So fast forward, we had an amazing year. We got engaged on uh, New Year's Eve 2019. We came into 2020 on a real high. And um, (laughs) it was brilliant, you know, we were like, this is great. And I went down to the Cliffs of Moher. One education for me also encompasses, you know, yoga retreats and self-development. And I went down to this fuck-off, you know, retreat down in the west of Ireland, which I love. I love my own time. And it was called Imbok, which is springtime. And I remember the, the instructor was like, you know, put out what your seeds are for the next while that you want in life. And, and when I was eight, one of the behaviours I developed was control right? So I was like, okay, so I'm getting married now, then maybe I'll have the baby and then I'll write my book that I've always wanted to write and then I will set up my coaching business, all in that order. And then COVID happens and it's like, boom. And we plan our wedding and we have a beautiful COVID wedding. I was delighted. It was tiny. I always wanted it that way. George, probably not so much. But we got married and um, before we got married, we found out that I was pregnant And for me, that inner control was like, fuck, it's not going to plan. But equally, we were so delighted because we knew the two of us, his parents are separated as well. All we wanted to do was to create a family. So we get married. We go off on our um, camper van. George, by the way, is nearly six foot five. We last four days in the camper van uh, going west coast. And we were on Dogs Bay and a blazing row. My phone smashed when George is saying, get the fuck out and fucking move. We were trying to reverse down a tiny road. And um, we checked into a hotel. So we come back from our honeymoon and, yeah, the highlight was definitely checking into the hotel. I remember the woman in the reception, we came in, I was like, just fucking give me a room. And she gave us this beautiful suite. So it all works out. Um, But we were in Hollis Street going in for our scan. George, during COVID, had to wait outside. And unfortunately, they couldn't find a heartbeat. So in that moment, my world, again, it just crumbled and I lost the dream of trying to create my family. Um, so it was really shit, it was really hard. But you know when you go through death, or you know in Ireland you have the funeral, but you have the wake, it's actually sometimes a period of real peace descends because you have to surrender to the fact that you can't control it. So I remember when we drove home, we went on a, a drive, and we cried and, and tried to process it. And I remember when we were driving home, um, we drove past this street called Hope Street, and it's actually in Ring's End. And I remember something in me was just going, hold on to that. 
So fast forward and I am sea swimming. I'm really leaning into all of this grief and pain because it's something I never did when I was eight or went through other things in life. So I decided, fuck it, I'm going to winter through this. Um, and as we know, miscarriage, pregnancy loss isn't really talked about in Ireland. So I really went, fuck this. You know, I told people it didn't work. And I took time. I took time to grieve it. Um, and I went through a process. And George will probably remember it. You know, he would like, you're okay, we'll be okay. And talking about hope. And I was like, yeah, I just need to winter this. I need to go, you know, to Samhain, which is the Celtic term for winter. I remember George many times being like, when the fuck is Serenus over? <laughs> he would call it Serenus. But one of the, the highlights was, you know, going for walks together and, and sea swimming with my brother. Um, like we all, a lot of us did during COVID. I didn't have the dry robe, but um, I was swimming in the water with my brother and we'd be quite, you know, sporty and he was swimming head and I was behind. And I started kind of struggle and I was like, fuck like shit I think I'm actually getting into trouble here and this loud voice started booming um you know oh my god can you imagine the headlines and you're fucking fucking up your brother's day and it's the first time I started becoming really aware of this really harsh voice inside and when I didn't fight it and just became aware of it another voice came in going just fucking swim to the shore just pull yourself out and swim to the shore And that was the moment that I decided that I was going to let go of all control. I allowed myself to cry, to drink wine, have the odd joint. George and I, one of our highlights was being in the Shelburne Hotel during COVID and watching Damien Dempsey sipping whiskey and singing our hearts out. And I let go, and I let go of trying to conceive. So I allowed myself, you know, I'm not going to try. And I'm just going to, you know enjoy and just be because I'm in this winter period and I actually started to enjoy it when I took away the limits and the controls and we were walking Glendalough New Year's Eve our anniversary and I just knew I was like I'm pregnant and I did a test that night and it was our anniversary of course New Year's Eve and I was pregnant and fast forward to 2021 13th September and our beautiful baby daughter, Valerie, is born. And when they held her up and said, you have a baby girl, because we didn't know, my world smashed open and smashed apart, and everything came together, and everything made sense. So the moral of my story is, even when things feel out of control in your family or you, always hold on to hope. Thank you. That was Rose McCauley, who was the winner of that night's Story Slam. Rose will be invited to come back and take part in our annual Grand Slam. So that's where we invite eight Story Slam champions to assemble and to tell brand new stories inspired by a brand new theme. It usually takes place in the Abbey Theatre. And obviously we just had our last Grand Slam in there head over to our YouTube channel. You can find videos from one of our previous Grand Slams and we're actually going to be sharing stories from the 2022 Grand Slam on there very, very soon. If you liked any of the stories that you just heard, so they were stories from Daniel Berman, uh, we had Ashley Casey Roach and then just there you had Rose McCauley. So if you enjoyed those stories, 
you like what we do, consider giving us an L rating or a review uh, wherever you're listening to this uh, podcast. It genuinely does help us. Uh, you know, it's like a little kind of high five. You know, it's a little well done you. And, you know, sometimes we, we need that. <laughs> so head over to uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast on and do consider giving us a review or a rating. Don't forget to head over to our socials on Instagram at Dublin Story Slam or uh, on our website uh, for more updates on upcoming shows. We will talk to you on the next episode of the Dublin Story Slam podcast. Bye. The Dublin Story Slam podcast is part of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts. As is my podcast, Meet Your Maker. You'll find loads of great shows at thewarren.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.